0: My beloved church family, I know one thing. God is in this. God is with us. God will use us. Like Richard, I know, that there's a lot of stuff I don't know. But those three things, I know with all my heart. I also know that today, today, God is going to speak to us. And I know that because I know a lot of theological things about God. I know so many things about God's character and who he is. And I know things that Scripture teaches us about God, but I know He's going to speak to us today experientially as well. You see, I know He's got a very specific word for us in our situation right now. Because months ago, we were preparing this sermon series that we've been doing on David's other Goliaths. We've been talking to to God and to each other on the service planning team about about what we were going to do. And my job was to do the last in the series on David's other Goliaths and talk about anxiety. And so God gave us a passage to use. The passage from Philippians chapter four, we're going to get there in a moment, but it's just been so incredible to to struggle with that passage in the series and then all of a sudden to have what happened happen around us. And just to go back to that passage and go, every truth that I was grappling with from this passage is as true in normal times as it is today on this Amazing Sunday. We had originally planned to focus exclusively on the issue of anxiety because a lot of what this passage is is about anxiety and that was one of David's problems. He, he, so, so, Goliath, David is still a young man. He, he's, he's, a, he's a young man not old enough to be in the army yet. But he's serving Saul as a musician, and he's still looking after his dad's sheep. And his dad sends him with bread and cheese to go to the armies, to his brothers, and give them food. I I know that some of us have had that experience as we've gone to people at blockades and patrollers and taking them food and and I I can't believe that that young boy wouldn't have been partly excited and partly really anxious he's going to a war zone that's literally what's going to happen as I read that story and other stories it is clear that David grappled deeply with anxiety and so I want to say this to all of us this morning. Anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety and being anxious is not a sin. Like, like fear or like anger, it can very quickly lead us to sin. But to experience it is, means to be human. To experience it means to be A person. And so I want, and I'm not going to unpack that theologically because there's much more important things I want to get to right now, but I want to just say this to every single one of my church family that is struggling right now with anxiety, get rid of the guilt that is there because of your anxiety. Because anxiety is not a sin. But it is This morning for us, a great place to begin to hear what God has to say to us in our anxiety. As you and I grapple with with anxiety and fear and anger and all of those things, I'm so glad that I can turn to this passage and talk to us about what God can do in and through and with us in this moment of anxiety that we're experiencing. And I I wanna be honest as a preacher, there's some days that I wish that the whole of God's word wasn't authoritative over my life. There's some times that I look at passages of scripture and wish that, that I could have this part and not that part. There's some days where I wish only parts of God's word was was God breathed and and was true. Because there's some things in the passage I'm going to share with you today that are immensely comforting and amazing and wonderful. But there are other bits and pieces of this passage that that seem impractical to me. In fact, there's some of these things in this passage that seem downright silly to me. And so so this morning, I don't want to share one part of this with you. I want to share all of it because all of it is God's word to us. I want to read from Philippians chapter four, verses four to nine. Rejoice in the Lord always. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. Church family, it's so easy at this moment to look at a passage like that and say, yes, but. It is really just so easy to read those passages, this part of scripture, and say, yes, but. Is this practical? Is this real? Do you understand the gravity of the situation? Because after all, this is the real world. To those of you who are tempted in this moment to yes, but, I want to say this, that this passage is God's word, and it is written in the real world. It wasn't written by somebody who sat on a mountainside and contemplated and dreamt. It was written by a man called Paul, who had been caught up in mobs, who had to be rescued from a city by his friends as they lowered him out of in a basket. They had to he had to be rescued. Sometimes by soldiers. He was in a prison cell when he wrote this. He'd been shipwrecked. He knew what he was talking about when it comes to the kind of situation that we find ourselves in today. He'd been stoned. So these aren't the, the theoretical musings of, of, of some guru sitting on a mountainside. These are the words anointed by God from the pen of a man who was in the situation like we are today and worse. And these words will speak to us today about how we can live when. You and everyone else has every reason to be anxious. How should you and I as God's children, as David's, as God's anointed, as, 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 a, as a, a priesthood, as a holy nation, as, as the body of Christ respond when we and everybody else has every reason to be anxious. I love, I love this passage, but there's some things that just seem so, so not practical to me right now. But I I want us, I wanna talk to you about three things in this passage. The first is you'll notice that if we're going to do what we need to do, if we're going to stay who God wants us to be and do what God wants us to be, that we have to have the right connection to God. We have to have to have the right connection to God. I mean, it begins by talking about rejoice in the Lord always again let's go back to paul let's go back to his his fact that he he was able to connect it to god and rejoice when he was in prison when he was shipwrecked let's go back to david who who wrote magnificent psalms when when he was running from Saul when he was hiding in caves. When he didn't know whether he was going to get food tomorrow. They say to us that we must rejoice in the Lord always. And it's almost as if Paul knows that the people who are gonna hear this are gonna struggle with it. Because he says it twice. See that? He says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He goes on to talk about other ways that we must connect with God. He talks about how we must connect to God not only through worship, but through prayer. We must, we must be talking to God. And you know what I love about it? Because this worship is, is us talking to God about Him. And, and it's all the big, and for me, like the, well, the easy things, if that's right, but, but talking to God about the other things is about our anxiety. Let your petitions, God help us, I need food. God help us, I need this, God help me, I'm, I'm scared. And so th- this connection to God for us isn't, isn't some kind of fantasy connection of singing while the world is burning. It is worshiping God always and petitioning him always. Listen to what the message says about connecting to God. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? I I, I experienced that this week directing people to the toilet at our church <laughs> i know that sounds weird i mean how do you link toilets with worship but it was just such a real experience for me to be able to just have the church parking lot open for people standing eight hours in the queue at spa and just saying you know i mean people walking up to you like this i think i would no our loos are open you can come get coffee afterwards I don't know what it looks like for you in your house right now, but I want to tell you this, that if we are to deal with our anxiety, not just as individuals, but as a community right now, you and I, especially God's people, have to revel in God and worship Him and send our petitions up to Him. Because the truth is, People who don't know God can't do that. And so we have to do it not just for ourselves, but also for our community right now. And perhaps they'll see us doing that and go, what on earth are you doing? We can do it on a bridge. I loved in our prayer meeting yesterday, day before yesterday, how a person in our neighborhood had been on patrol for the first time in their lives, and they came to our pre-meeting just with a list of names of people that they just happened to meet and who'd been kind to them, who'd given them food, and they sent up petitions to God for those people. We have to keep a right connection to God, knowing that he is with us and in us and around us and he was not surprised by this. Folks, if we're going to be in right connection with God, we also have to be in right connection to others. To be honest, this passage presents me with one of my first real struggles here. Paul goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, I've, I've gotta say this to you, that this week, I've been so gentle with so many people. I've been so gentle with, with the guards. I've been so gentle with customers at spa. I've been so gentle with my neighbors. But the truth is, I've, there've been moments where I haven't wanted to be gentle. I've been in, in, in some discussions with our neighbors in Chesterville. They've been amazing, they've been amazing. And I've been in discussion with with our community police forum and others, and I've been around people with guns and bulletproof vests, and I just honestly don't feel like I want to be gentle with them, I just don't. As I've read stories and seen pictures of looters My instinct is I don't want to be gentle with those people. Now, don't get me wrong. When people do things that are evil and bad, they must be dealt with. But this passage is telling us as God's people that our gentleness must be evident to everyone. And I, I don't always know what that looks like. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't know what that looks like for a policeman standing guard somewhere. I don't, but I do know that that's something that God has told me I must be because I'm one of his children in to everyone. I try to find a possible Greek word there for all that may excuse some people, but I can't find it. A gentleness must be evident to all. Do you know why? Because Paul goes on to say, God is near. God is near. He's as if he's reminding us that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, whether it's a terrifying situation or a wonderful, beautiful situation, he's with us. He's right there. He has got us. And yes, we need to be wise and cautious and all of those things. But wherever we are, he is near. Folks, behind all of this is probably the hardest work that we're going to have to do over the next few weeks and months is reaching out to people who we've been afraid of, who we've felt threatened by, who, who we don't want to talk to, and being able to talk to those people with love and gentleness. I wanna say this to, especially my Westville family, geographically, I've had the opportunity now twice to be in Chesterville, and and our family in Chesterville is hurting. And they're hurting for lots of reasons. One of the reasons they're hurting is that they, f- they believe that, that so many people here believe that they wanted to come here and take our stuff. Just like we wanted as a community to protect the pavilion because it's so important to us, it is exactly the same experience of our brothers and sisters in Chesterville. They were desperate to protect the pavilion, why? Because their jobs are there, their food source is there. I I honestly believe that the devil wants to use this situation to stop us loving our neighbor. For us to find excuses only to love the neighbors we agree with or like, but this passage In the middle of all anxiety says this, let our gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. So now quickly back to our connection to God, connection to others, connection to God, then it goes on, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, (laughs) standing on a bridge, standing in a queue, meeting with other people, waiting for food, giving food, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. (laughs) There's so many places to give thanks. Just family, I wanna tell you about my favorite picture I've seen so far of all of this. Yesterday I came to the church office for a meeting and I was walking down the steps next to the youth center and I saw Delani on his knees next to his bucky, siphoning petrol out of his bucky into a half liter Coke bottle. And I said, Delani, what are you doing? He said, But this friend of mine here has run out of petrol at the bottom of Fields Hill and he can't get petrol from the, from the petrol stations. And so I'm giving him some petrol. was just one of the most beautiful pictures. That, And God is telling us let our gentleness be evident to all. Not just people that it's easy to be gentle towards. Our connection to God and our connection to others. But church family, our connection to ourselves is just as important our ability to look into our own hearts and ask God to look into our hearts and say, God help me with my anxiety. How much of my anxiety is because of old baggage? How much of my anxiety is because I grew up in a certain place and I was taught there to not love those kinds of people. I was taught that those people are the enemy, that they are bad and I'm good. How much of our anxiety is about not really allowing God to connect with us and work in us and change us? This passage gets amazingly practical right near the end about how some of that connecting to ourselves in terms of our anxiety can be fixed. Listen to what the message says in verse 8 and 9. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. (laughs) We're... We've all seen videos, we've all seen pictures, we've all gotten angry with some and so happy with others. God does not want us to deny the ugliness of what's going on out there, he doesn't. But he's telling us here that we mustn't dwell on those things, we must dwell on the others. One of the beautiful things that's circulating right now is a video um, just picturing some people cleaning up, and uh, it's awesome because one of our church people did the music on that video, and it's just amazing. There are so many opportunities to share beauty. There are so many opportunities, and honestly, God is calling us right now to fill our minds with the good. We're not denying it, we're not denying the bad, we're not pushing it away, we're not saying it doesn't exist. We can, we can find out that information, but where our minds must dwell right now is on the good. What is noble, what is reputable, what is authentic, what is compelling, and what is gracious. Church family, there are giants out there. There are giants out there that are making all of us get that tight feeling in our stomach. There are political giants out there. There are criminal giants out there. There are social giants out there just like David faced and Paul faced and all of those in that great cloud of witnesses in the Bible faced. They are there but they are there to be slain. They are there for God's people to walk out and confront and slay. David comes in front of the army and he hears Goliath and he just says, I can't tolerate this. I can't tolerate this, says David. Not because David is big and brave and tough, anything like that. Why can't he tolerate it? He says because what's happening on the other side of that valley is against God. It's not against me. My enemy is not against me and my people. This enemy is against God and I must do something about it. God has called every one of us to do something about this enemy of anxiety, this enemy of division, this giant of racial tension, this giant of economic difference, this giant of looting and criminality, this giant of selfishness. God has called every one of us to do something And I don't know if you're going. That's so wonderful, Pastor. But I've got nothing. You are wrong. Young David had a sling. (laughs) You know, I mean, if you go read that passage, you go read it. It talks about Goliath's stuff, big spears of bronze, and the impressive stuff—the stuff that like makes little boys and big men go, "Whoa, that's cool." that's dangerous. David had a sling. But the thing that was important wasn't David's sling. It was David's knowledge that God was with him. What made the difference between David and all the others in God's army that day was the knowledge that David had that God was with him. Are you anxious? Are you hungry? Are you fearful? Are you angry? Those are giants. God is with us. And he has given every one of us a sling and offered us the opportunity to step out and love our neighbor, and be gentle to people, and pray to him, not to worry, and worship, and have conversations, and be kind. And when we do that, the giant will begin to die. Oh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your, thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for your protection. Lord, thank you for your provision. Lord, thank you for putting our church building in the heart of our community, and thank you for putting our church people everywhere in our community. God, thank you, that this morning each of us have heard from God and that you've given every one of us a sling not to protect ourselves or to take revenge or to break somebody but to build the kingdom of God and slay the giants that the devil has put into this world to kill steal and destroy. God, thank you that the battle is yours. We worship you together now. Amen.